Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 82 of Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate how everything, I mean absolutely everything, even the most unexpected of subjects, has a history, like pigeons, pomegranates, and pounds. Or, courtesy of Ben Casey on Twitter, thank you Ben, uh, soap. Yeah, soap. So, uh, I think we should do soap, shampoo, showers, bath, bathing, water, dirt, and of course we've already done sweat. Mm, we have done history of sweat. We will be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how everything, how simply everything, links together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, who knew that the history of print, the history of print, is all about power, permanency, politics, poetry, plasterwork and passion. It's the P's. I'm thinking there of the history of Mills and Boone okay, that's good. Uh, novels. Or that the history of lines, yeah. and I'm not being alliterative here, is about empire, territory, safety, rules and regulations and well-being. Oh, it's all nice. about taking a line for a walk and then colouring it in afterwards. I'm thinking those, those adult colouring books that are supposed to be relaxing. A friend of mine's just doing an adult dot-to-dot book. Oh, what on? It's called Join the Fucking Dots. <laughs> <laughs> it's about Brexit. It's a satirical oh, one. It's no. going to be absolutely brilliant. I bet it you is. Should everyone look out for that? So it's funny pictures, but it's, it's for adults. But it's dot to dot mindfulness. But Join it's, the effing dots. It's also funny. I bet it is. Um, I bet it is funny. Did you know that pomegranates are all about armour? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, Henry VIII, Catherine of Aragon. Oh, well, I should know that being a prof of well, Tudor history and all. You, you don't know everything. So, um, yeah, Catherine of Aragon. She had um, her her symbol or sign or something was, was, a po- was pomegranates right oh. um, and um, so Henry has it all, um, his all armor, over the place. C- covered in covered in pomegranates for, uh, for the marriage which he probably sacked off and binned when he married Anne Boleyn <laughs> <laughs> um, the man sitting opposite me is the Elvis Presley of priest holes it's a uh, professor extraordinaire of early modern British history at Plymouth University. It's James Daybell. Thank you, sir. Do you know, for a long time, people thought that I, when I was much younger, people thought that I looked like a young Elvis. <laughs> I can it's see the, that. It's the sideies. I can see that. It's the sideboards yeah. that I've kept. <laughs> the man sitting opposite me is, and I've got lots to choose from here, is the Bismarck of battles gone by. I'm talking about the Bismarck today. You're not. I am, so that's a oh, really good one. Well, I, I had no idea. Huh. It's the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam 
fabulous Willis. Hello, everyone. Welcome back from China, Sam. We're quite excited because we're going to be doing something um, which it, it, we quite like doing relevant things, don't we? Sort of, and, sometimes. Um, and it's the royal wedding that's made us think about stuff. It is, it? it is. And because you missed the royal wedding for the rugby. Uh, yeah. So I brought you a little memento. <laughs> of the royal wedding? Of the royal wedding. Where did you, um, what, what does that these mean? Are, these are from our local Waitrose. They are cupcakes <laughs> with flags on, courtesy of my daughters. Uh, we told them that the, the royal chefs had prepared them. So you, um, what, you bought these from a supermarket? Are they special royal wedding cakes? And lied cakes? to my daughters saying see, that I the see. royal said, there, one for you. You oh, can have the you. one that hasn't been mangled. But we're not doing cakes, are we? We're not, but uh, but it's about weddings. We, it is. Royal um, we- well, it's not about royal weddings. It's about um, it's about celebrating them yeah. by 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 what? Ringing bells. We are doing the history bells. of bells um, because um, I read something which said that some local parish churches, I can't remember where it was now, were ringing their bells um, in celebration of the royal wedding. Was which I was thinking. Bells ring out in Ockley f- for royal wedding. Where's Ockley? Otsley. Otsley. Oh, I don't know where that is either. <laughs> sorry, sorry, folks. In, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, folks. It's in not Otley. in Devon. I we don't know. Is it in Devon? Um, Let's find out. Otley. I... Sorry, not... Otley. We should have done our homework and West Yorkshire. West Yorkshire. I yeah. grew up. I grew up in Yorkshire. Huh. Not near Otley. Not near Otley. Look, okay, so the, the folks of Otley have been ringing their church bells in celebration of the royal wedding, which has got us thinking about the use of bells for communication. Um, so it is, it's the history of bells, but it's not necessarily, we're not in the history of manufacturing bells. We're doing the kind of the history of... Nor of, of campanology. Fascinating though though that is. What's campanology? Campanology is bell ringing. Uh, oh, okay. And you could, do a, you could do a sort of an anorak episode. Yeah. On bell ringing you and, could, its, yeah. and its history, okay, and all the sort of technical terms, and there are people. Do you mean church bells all around in... the all around the country? Church, but well, well, the, the people who well, do the pe- ring, the people who do the ringing, right, church okay. bells, but also hand bells. Yeah, but we're particularly, I think, interested in the use of it to tra- transmit messages. We may be, yeah, but we may, else. we may be. I love hand bells because they're um, they're one of those wonderfully sort of um, democratic instruments. Anyone can do it as long as you've got a bit. As long <laughs> yeah, as you've got a bit of in, a bit of um. Rhythm. Rhythm and timing, and, and you can respond and do something if someone points at you, which I really like. And you've got a, you've got a bell in each hand, right? So someone goes left hand, right hand, bong, bong. So yes, bell ringing is one of those wonderful things. You can actually make really fun music, and anyone can do it. You don't need to sort of train for years. It's 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 the opposite of a harp. I bet bell ringers, though, <laughs> would, would, would be up in arms about that. I bet, they're, I bet it mm. is a really prized technique. So it's not sort of simply somebody. It's not like a triangle where you. you it's exactly of, like you, a triangle. You, you just bong you, it. You hold it and hit it. Disagree. And no, you can I, do anything. I'm sure, but I'm sure it's about the rhythm and the syncopation and yeah. all that sort of yeah. jazz. Yeah, I imagine bell ringing jazz. I imagine. Well, um, do you have a bell that we could try? Mm, no. Do you, for your many servants. In that, <laughs> in <the house>? no. <laughs> see, that's another way we could go. We could go, you know, ringing of the bell for service, or you see those old hotels. Oh, so or, cool. Or old old houses that yep. have the sort of series of bells for mm. the different rooms and the different servants that they're calling. I wonder, is there one at Powderham? You spend a lot there of time is. I, I am at Powderham at the moment. I oh, was going okay. to talk about that. Take a photo later of it on. Is I'm it well. kind of a board down in the in the servants' hall yes. that you ring it and it it's tells in, you it's in the hallway, so you can see it. It's not used, but it's still, but it's very much still there. So that's Powderham Castle in Devon. That's uh, interesting. So I was, um, I've always one of the interesting things we've been 
thinking about is people's reaction to bells, whether it, they, they mm. enjoy the pealing of bells, you know, this, this whole historical soundscape. Um, and I I, I've kind of assumed either, either you do one, one of two things, either like, oh, what, a, what a wonderful noise and people are celebrating, let's all go, go and, and worship. Um, but there's also the people who get seriously cross that the Catholics or the Protestants, whoever it is, are making an enormous racket again. Subversive bells. S- subversive bells. And but the here with the servants, you can really imagine someone, you know, rolling their eyes or you know, oh raising like, God. "God, he wants me again." His lordship I'm, wants another <laughs> cup of tea. Yeah, I've got to go back up to the top. I've got to walk I'll put off. sleeping powder in it. So he won't disturb me for yeah. a while. So um, I don't know that just really kind of opened up a, a little window into history. And for me. also, also you could you could do a chronology of the history of bells. How so? Bell use. Um, let me just swirl this around in my brain. You could think about starting off with um, medieval bells that are almost entirely uh, sacred. Yeah. So the use of sacred bells, and then you think about the attack on bells in the Reformation, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, and then the the sort of um, secularization of bells. So bells are used for um, warning, they're used for celebration, yeah. which then merges into bells as entertainment, which yeah. is what you were you were talking about. So we could think about it in, yeah. in that, that sort of that, way. Let's go back to the Otley example. So the, yeah. these are people who are demonstrating their uh, support... Joy of and joy of the royal wedding by filling the air with the sound of peeling yes. bells in Yorkshire because they were so far away. We haven't talked about the royal wedding because okay. you haven't seen it. Did it just completely pass you by? Yeah. I became totally... So I was I was, um, I was, was in China for the two weeks beforehand, so the build-up completely passed me by. Right. And then uh, there was a very important rugby match on. <laughs> <laughs> with the result of which was? A, a significant exit of victory. Oh. <sighs> Over the, over the Geordies from, oh. from Newcastle, which was good. But I, I missed it because I was oh, a bit focused on that. Okay. <clears throat> oh, I just became so obsessed with the royal wedding. I couldn't. Mm. I was literally just stuck on the sofa, just <laughs> glued to it. Dan uh, Snow was there. In the, and, and one of my favourite bits was seeing him um, giving a history lesson to George Clooney. <laughs> good. <laughs> In the Chapel Royal, Very which was excellent. But I was obsessed. I watched Suits for series and series, and Meghan Markle was on Suits. Right. So, so I, was, I was slightly, I was more interested in that and the Suits cast who were in the audience. Hmm. Yes. Um, I'll stop talking about that and we can talk about bells. Where are you going to take us with bells? I was going to go to sea, as always, with me, because that's basically where we always end up. Maritime bells. <laughs> Maritime bells are fantastic and they're absolutely fascinating. So so they are used for a couple of things, one of which is for keeping time, but in a slightly different way. Um, so if it's okay. four o'clock in the afternoon, yep. it's 11.35 in the morning now, you don't ring the bells 11 times for 11 o'clock. So it's all linked to the watch system. Hmm. The watch system... Uh, was invented to allow people to change up who who is working the ship after about four hours. So you have a system of watches which runs um, during the day. The first watch is from 8pm until midnight. Second mm. one is the middle watch from midnight till 4am. Then you have the morning watch from 4am to uh, 8 then the forenoon watch. So at the moment, we're in the middle of the forenoon watch, which would be 8 till 12. Then at afternoon, 12 to 4. Then then it's split. So those are all four-hour watches, okay? Yep. And they're split. Then you have something called a dog watch, which is a two-hour watch from 6 to 8. The dog's in charge of the bell. <laughs> then another one from 8 till 2. And those dog watches allows the whole system to move around, which means that if you were doing the 4 a.m. Uh, till 8 a.m. watch one night, then it changes and you don't have to do it the next night. 
Hmm. Now, basically, what, what's important about this is that the whole structure of ship's time is revolved around these four-hour segments. It's not to do with the time of day. Because no one knows when the time of day is, especially in the 18th century. So the time of day comes when, when, when they measure noon. Mm. And so the exact moment of noon happens when the guy gets a sextant out and measures the angle of the sun in relation to the horizon at roughly noon. So it's 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 a it's a kind of a different thing. It's to do with hourglasses. You have an hourglass which measures half an hour. After every half an hour of those four hour watches, a bell rings. So the maximum for a four hour watch is eight bells. So the last time it rings is for the last half an hour. That's for eight bells. The first time it rings is after the first half an hour. And that's the first bell. So I think you've lost me. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's surprisingly simple, but also surprisingly confusing. Now it is 11.30. We'd be in the forenoon watch. So that's three and a half hours into the forenoon watch, which began at eight this morning. So at 8.30, there would have been one bell rung. Okay. At nine, there would have been two bells rung. Okay. At 9.30, there would have been three bells rung. At 10 o'clock, there would have been four bells rung. And then they go back to one bell? No, you keep going because that's only two hours. Okay, So it's a four-hour watch. Right. Okay, so 10.30, another bell rung. And then at 11 o'clock, there would have been one rung. So you'd have had six bells. And 11.30 is just gone, so that would have been seven bells. And then the last one will be at noon, 12 bells. Sorry, eight eight bells. Eight bells. (laughs) It's eight bells. So it's very difficult to understand. It's a very, very complex system. Um, But that's how it worked for years and years and years. It often still is on ships. So one of the interesting ways of looking at the histories of bells is to do with telling of the time, but not necessarily in the way you might suspect. So we're thinking there about we're thinking about church bells as as sort of timekeepers yes. that are ringing out. I mean, I can think also very closely related to that is bells and social order. Mm. So reg- regulation, and if you think about the different areas where you might have bells being used, think about school bells. Mm-hmm. As I drop my kids off at school, the bell in the morning it's it's an old fashioned hand bell. That is you that is rung in the playground to take the kids in, and the bell used to um, start the day, end the day, but also to um, punctuate all the different lessons. Yeah. Uh, when I taught at a university in the US, we had an electric bell oh. that rang, you know, rang throughout the day, and I think you know well, lots you, of schools. University is weird, isn't it? Yes, I mean it was re- it was really odd, but it's but it's a big state university, lots of classrooms, and bells ring so that you you know, know to go to the next the next yeah. lecture. Uh, but you also think about it in um, monasteries, you know, and it's the call for prayer. So bells at different times throughout the day calling you to prayer. Or I think about its use in prisons mm-hmm. um, where the bells used to, um, basically used to wake people up in the morning. So Pentonville in the mid-19th century, a bell would be rung at 6.20, to warn you that in 10 minutes time you were going to have to get up and then at 6.30 the bell would go you got up, got dressed, did all your sort of tidying of everything away, everything was checked and then you would go through and you would be on the sort of treadmill, so this is a sort of forced hard labour you know, the kind of thing that um, yeah. that Oscar Wilde did and I've there... been reading about that recently Oh so have you? Yeah, the paddle Right. The um, which is this, this kind of crazy box. Yes. With a with with a paddle in it, which moves yes. through sand. Right. And they just had to turn yes. it like thirty thousand yes, times a day. That's it, that's it. And and there was a bell that t- that t- taught you the sort of that told you when you'd finished a particular number of revolutions, you could go round it. I think it went round um, twice every minute. Mm-hmm. 
and then you were supposed to do 30 revolutions, which would be a quarter of an hour. And then at the completion of that, a bell would sound, and then you would sort of have a little break, and then you'd be on the treadmill again. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and literally, I mean, the descriptions of people who, you know, endured this, you know, absolutely broken. You know, imagine six months yeah. hard labor doing that. Yeah. I mean, they used to pick up cannonballs as well. Um, one of the things, so, so you, um, there was, a, it was called the cannonball drill. Uh, and you'd go into a yard. I don't know if this was just military prisoners, hmm. um, but you'd go into a yard and you'd uh, there'd be a pile of cannonballs, right? And you have to move them to the other side of the yard, okay? But the the, the killer is here is that you weren't allowed to bend your legs. Oh, yeah. it's my actually God. designed to cripple you. So oh, you, you had to so bend, so you had to stand upright with straight legs, bend from the waist, pick up your cannonball, carry it, drop it bending from the waist, and then go back Any again. good physio physiotherapist would tell you that's bad for you. <laughs> yeah. And I am somebody who suffers yeah. with lower oh, back trouble. I saw, oh, I, saw, I, saw, I, saw, I was reading through a... Uh, um, oh, actually, I've got no idea now. I just know I've got this vision of it. it might have, but it's a picture of a very miserable person um, who, who had been drawn in this, in this position, um, bending down and picking up cannonballs. Gone a long way from bells. Who knew bells are all about cannonballs? But they are. Be quite bells are also all about World War Two. Hmm. So during World War II, um, for much of World War II, uh, bell ringing was banned. Was it? Yes, it was banned because, not because um, you didn't want the Germans to hear that you, you know, where populations were, yeah. but it was basically in case of an invasion, um, the bells would be rung. Right. To so it's a warning sound. So they weren't... Um, so you they can't weren't, cry wolf, basically. So they weren't, yes, exactly. So they weren't, they were used for, for warning, but there are signs that sort of partway through the war, once they find that the once it's realised that the Germans aren't going to invade, people start um, ringing them. And you see some, some no there are some notices that survive that sort of, uh, there are notices about banning of the ringing of bells and then notices about, about certain churches being allowed to ring bells. Um, so if we have a look here, what have I got? Are they in, um, so the, the war was declared the 3rd of September, uh, 1939, the last annual general, general meeting of the Halzoan Parish Church, this is in the West Midlands, um, the Parish Church Change Ringing Society was held on the 23rd of January 1940 and the secretary added the following item in the minutes. On June 13th, 1940, the order was given out on the wireless of the radio that church and chapel bells must not be rung except for air raids. And then there's a description... In on a on a website called World War Two People's War, and this is a fantastic project, oral history project by the BBC, mm -hmm. to basically capture oral histories of everyday life during World War Two. And there is something about World War bell ringing, and it was left by contributed on the eighth of November two thousand and three by a Mister B Shellock from Old Isleworth. And he writes, I was 10 years old in 1939, ringing at St. at All Saints, Old Isleworth, on the treble bell, standing on a box made by the carpenter, the tenor ringer. During the war, when full sound ringing was not allowed, the clappers were roped in so that the ringers could continue practice. On New Year's Eve, I believe the tenor was allowed to sound the 12 strokes of midnight. They also used handbells for practicing. 
Before the war, I rang at St Paul's, and after the war, my team was invited back to ring the victory bells over a period after VE Day. Hmm. So you can see how that continues to practice. There's another way of thinking about bell use during World War Two, and that is to look at what the Nazis did with bells. And the Nazis confiscated bells. Did they? And as they, they invaded, some crazy stuff. as they invaded, and in, into different kinds of territory, they seized the bells because they wanted them to melt them down and use for munitions in the war effort. Huh. What's really interesting is the way in which Vichy France was allowed out of this. So it tells you something about the sort of the different sort of political, you know, power within those sort of different territories. But places like Poland, places like um, Holland, who were invaded, had, all the bells were sort of were confiscated. They reckon that 150,000 bells were confiscated and melted down during that period. And we're talking here about 12th century through to the 20th century. You imagine the number of bells that we've lost, so medieval bells yeah. that we've lost. Um, and this was a tradition that, I mean, Napoleon did this as oh, well. So did Henry VIII. Yeah. Um, he, he took the bells from the monasteries through the Reformation. Yes, and, um, yes. and so if you go to somewhere like the Mary Rose, where yes. you've got a load of bronze cannon, um, you know, oh, they're made out of the. What we we don't know, but we do know that a lot of the, the yep. bronze was used, and that's it's one of the things that 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 they used it for. Yeah, I didn't know that about the Second World War. Yes, fascinating. fascinating. It is. I said that. It first. is. You did. You did. <laughs> Should we take a break for adverts? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So Napoleon... Also did that, not just Henry VIII, not just the Nazis, but Napoleon seized bells and he took them from villages that he'd captured. And then when he left, he would try and sell them back. Hmm. And it was a way of sort of supplementing his his war coffers, so of making money out of people. So where are you going to go with bells next? Um, Back to the sea. Of back course. to the sea. Back to the sea. There's so much you can do about what, the sea there, and there bells. Warning bells, I imagine. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. But yes, warning and fog. So communication yes. at sea. Uh, one of the big problems, of course, is if you're sailing in a ship and you are beset by fog and you can't see all of the other ships in the fleet and you That's need to what... not crash into each other. They used to ring bells and um, uh, uh, light uh, kind of 
lanterns and things and make yep. other other kind of noises, hitting things mm. and firing off cannons. So, Would lighthouses have had bells ooh. attached to them more? That's putting you on the spot, isn't it? Ooh. I don't know. Um, wouldn't surprise me. Certainly boys, which yes, been that's what I was thinking. Yes, put in, so navigation aids and markers have yes. bells on them. And you get that very sort of haunting. There's that, there's that, uh, that opening scene in Jaws. Isn't it in one of the Jaws movies yes, yeah, yeah, where the yeah. swimmer is out and gets onto the, the boy? Yeah. Jaws is a good one. So the, the sounds of bells used for navigation and for warnings, very important. No, I was going for the ship's bell itself. So we've talked Ooh. about the bell being rung nice. um, to mark different times of the day and so how people count in terms of four bells or five bells rather than half yep. past 10, 11 o'clock. But there's this whole thing about the identification of a ship with its bell. So so the bells often had the ship's name marked on them, which means that they've become almost like a kind of sacred relic of the ship, Lovely. particularly with shipwrecks. And there's always a big thing when a bell has been found. What the, the practical point about this, though, is that it's often the only way you can positively identify a wreck. So you can find a wreck... You don't know what it is. You don't know what ship it is. You've got, to, you've got to have some kind of rough idea where it is. But but it, often you need a ship that says, this is HMS. So it's like the signature of the, the signature, Yeah, so it proves ship. it. Mm. Um, now, there, there are some which people are very excited about finding. The uh, wreck of HMS Association from 1707. It's this wreck in which Cloudsley Shovel died. It le- led to the um, English government wanting to spend more money on creating a longitude prize and solving the problems of longitude. Because the, the this, this was an English fleet coming back from Spain during the War of the Spanish Succession, and they smash into um, a load of rocks off the Scilly Isles. It's not that they didn't know they were there; they didn't know where they were. Yeah, they didn't know the rocks were there. They knew the rocks were there, but they thought they were somewhere else. So there was a, it's a fundamental navigational problem, and it took um, four massive warships and and hundreds of men to die. Mm. But they found the the Bell of HMS Association. It's in fragments, which is interesting. Um, and it was recently uncovered in a private collection in America. Um, there's a brief article on it on the Navy Records Society online magazine. Have a look at navyrecords.org.uk, which is a, a, a fabulous thing. It is a fabulous thing. Yeah. Um, and we've got a picture of the bell from the private collection. And I'm actually quite keen on helping the Navy Records Society create a online kind of resource collection for all of the artefacts which have been discovered from the great storm of 1707 in the Scilly Isles. It's really important because once the wrecks were discovered, they were looted. It was before it actually led to a complete change in the law of, of, of protection of wrecks. Hmm. So these amazing artifacts, hundreds of things were found, were exchanged for beer money in pubs in the Isles of Scilly. Uh, and they've all kind of vanished now. And um, there were two major um, sales as well at Sotheby's and Bonhams in the 60s, right. uh, which then you just don't do that now because no. wrecks are protected. Yep. But they weren't at the time they discovered it. So there's a load of stuff out there, but no one knows where it is. And everyone's quite hush-hush about it, particularly on the Scilly Isles. So if you're listening on the Scilly Isles, can you please... Tell everyone to take a photo of their artefacts relating to HMS Association or the Firebrand or the Eagle, any of the other ships that went down, and just get in touch with the Navy Records Society so we at least have a record. Do of you what's have a there. website? Yes, www.navyrecords.org.uk. Is there an email? Contact details will be there, will they? Uh, yes, um, just yes. The uh, there's a there's a contact us page. Brilliant. But I think that would be a fun thing. Anyway, so you've got the the bell of HMS Association. That was a really significant discovery to prove that you have the wreck of HMS Association. They also found lots of plates with Sir Clowsley's shovels, coat of arms on that helped them identify it. Uh, They most recently have discovered the bell of HMS Hood. Ah. which was sunk by the Bismarck in 1940. That's your Bismarck connection. It is my Bismarck connection. And 
what's really good about it, I'm just going to pause while I wrote, I load this. Here we go. Um, oh, not the sound of it. I have the sound of the bell. They rang it. They, they've um. Listen to this, guys. It still works. So that is... That wasn't the bell, that last bit. That was No, that was a shouting man. Um, shouting as you man. Ordered the Navy. That's HMS Hood's bell um, being rung again. Now it's been preserved and it's raised. So that that's wonderful. And everyone's very excited about it. They actually mm. did... So they knew the wreck was there in the Denmark Strait um, between Iceland and Greenland. And then they went back to go and specifically to go and get the bell. So they've got the bell. And it's, it's one of these, these sort of examples of almost like the ship's identity being... Um, imbued into an object. Mm. Another example of it, of, mm. of, of this whole bell business, is the one from the Queen Anne's Revenge. Does that ring a bell? Uh, pardon the pun. It doesn't ring a bell, that bell. The, uh, the Queen Anne's Revenge was Blackbeard's ship. Mm. So the wreck of that, they think they found in North Carolina. Of course, <laughs> of course. But, because it, it'd be quite a good thing if they found Blackbeard's ship. Yes. So you could get an awful lot of money um, out of kind of like making TV yes. programs and writing yes. books and and having a little museum. T- tourism. But, but hilariously, they've, there's no proof that it is the Queen Anne's Revenge. They've got nothing that positively identifies it as a Queen Anne's Revenge. What they do have... Um, I was just thinking here, this is where the wreck was found in the Beaufort Inlet in North Carolina, is they have a ship's bell, but it doesn't say Queen Anne's Revenge on it. Now, in a cunning piece of of logic... Acme bells. (laughs) um, It's a Spanish bell with a Catholic inscription on it. It's got IHS, which is Jesus Hominum Salvatore Maria, 1705. Um, And it has been argued that this was a Spanish ship which Blackbeard captured before he was... Uh, killed at Beaufort Inlet in 1718. That sounds like a good argument to me. Well, the the, the more obvious argument, argument is that it's actually the wreck of a Spanish ship Spanish called the Maria. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I Brilliant. think. <laughs> and they found a bit of gold on it. And so yeah, maybe he captured it and, and then other you know, priorities few stuff. shavings of black beard on it. <laughs> it um, sounds good. It does sound good. Uh, having having a, a bronze Catholic bell is an interesting thing for a Protestant English pirate yes. to have. So bells are all about piracy. Bells are about piracy, and they're they're all about um, ship identification, you know that, ship you know identity. That. Now, Sam, of course, you know that the history of bells is, in fact, all about the Reformation, <laughs> as, as so many things are. And I haven't talked about the Reformation for a long time, but we have both been reading a fascinating PhD thesis, Robert Hill's the Reformation of the Bells in Early Modern England, Simon Fraser University, 2012. If you Google this up, you can get a PDF of it. And it is, it's it's good. It's fascinating. Um, although I must admit, it does surprise me sometimes that American PhDs are a lot thinner. American history PhDs are a lot thinner than British ones. Hmm. Have you noticed that? What do you mean in content? In content. they Because they the PhD in the UK is a three or four year dedicated time to spend writing a thesis. Yeah. Uh, whereas in America, the system is that you have classes and readings and then before you actually embark upon writing the oh, okay. PhD. So it means less. there's less time. Anyway, that's to sort of get beyond the what, relevance what of what we're talking about. Then? Well, I mean, I think the what's really interesting is the way in which the Reformation, so the reformers, Protestant reformers, attacked bells. And this is related to the importance of bells in the medieval 
world and the medieval church. And they are part and parcel of a whole range of religious rituals and sacraments. Um, Chiefly, they are part of the Eucharist. So the Eucharist is the sort of receiving of the body and blood of of Christ. And the sacring bell was rung when you sort of elevated the host. And it's all to do with the doctrine of transubstantiation, when literally the bread and wine was turned into mm-hmm. the body and blood of Christ. So, so that some, whole ritual has, sort of very, has has a, has a, has a, has a it has a it has a sort of it has the bell sound associated with it. Yeah. So bells for Protestant reformers are seen to be um, are seen to be superstitious. So there's a sort of an attempt to get rid of that. It's also associated with death and yeah. dying, um, and with intercession. So bells are rung. Um, when people are are dying, in order to sort of try and get intercession from um, the saints, mm-hmm. they're su- they're they're also rung at particular periods of time afterwards, so on anniversaries of death, and all of that is associated with the doctrine of purgatory. So purgatory is when you when you die, instead of going to heaven or hell in a sort of in a sort of Protestant theology. Um, so you are elect so you are born predestination is all about being being born and you are whatever you do on earth you are already predestined to go to heaven or hell in catholic theology you have a sort of clearing house which is purgatory um so you go to purgatory you you know you you atone for your sins and then you you know you either you either go to heaven or or you descend into into hell so the idea of of intercession and saints uh, and the ringing of bells is all associated with pass with with that sort of passage um and this is something again that the reformers attack um so they attack all those sort of the use of bells uh, around death so what we see is Ringing of bells continues in Henry VIII's reign. But when the boy king, Edward VI, comes to the throne, there are attempts made to attack bell use. So the sacring bell goes. The bell that is associated with uh, death and dying and the veneration of saints uh, goes as well. Um, so there are these royal injunctions, which are basically a list of instructions for what parish churches should do. And it turns up on there. I don't think, though, it goes as far as some of the continental reformers wanted. So somebody like um, Bullinger is very strongly against um, against the use of bells. And Bullinger is a very um, important uh, continental theologian who comes over to England during the mid-Tudor period. So we're thinking the sort of... Um, late uh, 1540s into the 1550s and is part of that whole sort of group uh, of of reformers who are coming up with ideas um, to sort of reform the, the Edwardian church. He has very sort of strong views and would sort of would literally get rid of all bells. And instead, what you see is an appropriation of bells. So the sacring bell the same bell turns into the sermon bell. Okay. So the sermon is an important part of, yeah. of spreading the message, the word um, under, uh, you know, during the Reformation. So it's really a sort of change in, in function. And then what you find is that under the Elizabethan state, so once, once um, 
Once Edward has died, Mary comes back, bells are then used again. Under Elizabeth, what we see, interestingly, is the secular uses that bells are put to. Yeah. You know, so the kind of, you know, celebrating the the defeat of the Armada, yeah. celebrating coronation, celebrating yeah. sort of anniversaries. Um, the 5th and of the, November the, is of also... as well. End of plots, the 5th of yeah. November and the defeat of Guy Fawkes and the gunpowder plot is also another sort of important mm. thing. So it's all about... Tudor propaganda is what Tudor it's propaganda. all about there. And the Reformation yes. and um, ship's time and ship's identities. We've, we've written about that. Top secret. But we we've, have. It's we've written about bells. Thank you all for listening. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr. Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. And you can follow us on at Unexpected Pod. We are proud. We are truly proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other extraordinarily fantastic shows we um we got all sorts of stuff coming soon our book is nearly done we're, we're working on some other stuff uh, we've got live shows coming in october november and september and, and september. possibly december and possibly december and the yes. website coming soon very soon very soon we've we been will... working on it so hard we have we have a team we have a whole team we have nine or ten <laughs> university of plymouth Elves. undergraduate <laughs> interns Yep. who are doing brilliant things for us. If you're listening, guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, that's it. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.